Welcome back, everybody, to the Below Average Joe's MMA Podcast, episode number 82. It's Wednesday. We're halfway through the week. And Dom, this episode is just a bit extra special. Your host, Mm -hmm. as always, Mm -hmm. Noah B. and Dominic Mm Salim. Halfway through the week, how are you? Hump days hit different. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's simply facts. Facts. And this week, it hits it even more differently because... Again, I'm tooting our horn here. We couldn't have timed this any more perfect. You've been you've been saying that a lot, and you know I I I I can't say I disagree, but it does feel good that you are the one that's being so vocal about yes. it. Yes, you all must recognize <laughs> what we're we're putting it on. We're serving it on a platter here. Yeah. we're really setting this week up real nice for you. Oh yeah, and it also is just. A good week because we have a pay per view coming up on Saturday. Mm-hmm. UFC 260, headlined by the biggest, baddest rematch between Francis and Ganu and the GOAT at heavyweight, Stipe Miocic. However, in order to really understand why this fight's such a big deal, we got to take a look at when they first faced off. Thank you. Thank you. Because we're going to take it back to January 20th, 2018. At the TD Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Legendary arena. Mm-hmm. Attendance for this event? 16,015 people. Buy rate? Estimated around 350,000. Not huge for a two, two, uh, title, fight, title card. fight card, but, you know, Stipe is not really, like, he, especially at this time, you know, he's gotten a little better at being... A bigger draw, you know, just because mm-hmm. his, his he's became more credited. Daniels Cormier has always kind of been someone that if he's not fighting John Jones, he's he's kind of like Stipe, yeah. you know. Um, but still, not bad. Your commentary team, we got a three-person one: John Anik, Joe Rogan, and Dominic Cruz. Yes, early on, still in Dom's commentary endeavors at this true, point. True, that is true. Um, but at, but obviously, we're setting up here. We're going over UFC 220, the first time. That Stipe defended his belt against Francis Ngannou. And, as we mentioned, this was a two-title fight card. Daniel Cormier in his last title last defense it, yeah. at light heavyweight. Last ever fight at light heavyweight. Yeah, true. Going up against Vulcan Uzdemir. And, and this is the third edition of the classic pay-per-view review. Yes. The first one being UFC 1. Mm-hmm. The second one being UFC 199. And now UFC 220. Yes. So, fasten your seatbelts. So, before we kind of get in fight by fight here, I want to get your thoughts. You know, by this point, this isn't, you know, before we were watching, this isn't 199 where it was the first time I ever watched. UFC 220, we at this point are fully invested. You, know, in you had been into it, yeah. obviously, by this point. But now, even you. But you're I'm in deep. like in deep. This was after we had gotten to see Stipe live yep, in this Cleveland. This is true. This is true. So get to tell the good people what it was like going into this card. This was big for Francis the challenger because he was looked at as an absolute killer. Mm-hmm. He was six and zero in the UFC, all wins coming via finish, most in the first round. He was looked at as the next big thing, yeah. fighting out of Africa. At this point, was looking to become the first African-born champ. We of course know that. Israel Adesanya got that. Or actually, Kamaru got it first, then Izzy. And for Stipe, this was the fight to break 
the heavyweight title defense record and set it at three, uh, and he did just that. So it was very historical, in a sense, for Stipe especially, and just a big fight for the heavyweight division. You were talking about this while we were watching the fights before we started recording and how it felt really big at the time, yeah. too, the hype surrounding it. I, I mean, the UFC's marketing machine really did a good job yeah. of uh, hyping this fight up for, especially in Ganu. Yeah. Um, he was being kind of touted. I remember throwing this around back around this time um, as, like, the MMA Mike Tyson. Yep, yeah. You know, the guy that would come in, finish you off early, and then leave without yep. cracking a smile or anything. Obviously, the way to fight transpired showed that there were more of, you know, it is MMA at the end of yeah. the day, so some weaknesses. But I do remember feeling, you know, on our long drives home, from Bowling Green mm-hmm. to our hometown back yeah. in, like, between Dayton and Cincinnati, we would talk about, I remember saying, like, this feels like one of the biggest heavyweight fights yeah. ever. Yeah, And that's the job of the UFC to do that, sell it that way, and they did it. However, co-main event, you got Cormier and Vulcan, and uh, that fight felt like it really fell under the radar. I don't think anybody really gave Vulcan much of a chance here. It, you know, really, this is kind of... Vulcan and Ngannou were in very similar situations coming into this, because this was Vulcan's first title shot as well, and coming into this, also undefeated in the UFC, also finishing everyone in the first round. Mm -hmm. I think it was four or five straight uh, fights for him. He earned a title shot very quickly. For Daniel, not quite the same as Stipe, because he was actually coming off of that loss to John Jones, which inevitably got turned into a no contest. Therefore, he got the belt given back to him. So this was technically another title defense. Daniel, of course, is on record saying this felt like he was winning the belt back. Uh, but nevertheless, big implications there in that fight. And Vulcan and Ngannou, the more I look at it, really were in the same boat here. Two very fast-rising prospects. The UFC pushed them to the title fight, and both really fell short to the veteran experience mm-hmm. in the champions. Mm-hmm. And before we really dig into those two fights, we got to start... First, by looking at the prelims, prelim notables, you know, just going through, talking about some of the names yeah, what that do we are, have down there. Names that are a little more relevant now. We obviously didn't watch the prelims over again, but it's so interesting to just see some of these names. Our very first fight, UFC Fight Pass prelims, Islam Makachev with a KO one punch over Glayson Tebow, fifty-seven seconds into the first, first round. Fight, huh? Glayson Tebow being a guy who had been around for a while. Um, definitely probably a little past his prime at this point. But we still, know where Islam is and Islam, now. that was when he was kind of just on the come up. Wow. Uh, we opened our pre the prelims on Fox Sports 1. Oh, Dan Ige fought wow. Julio Arce and lost a unanimous decision 30-27, That would have been his potential UFC debut after the Contender Series, if you want to fact check that really quick. That uh, was, it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow, how about that? Dan yeah. Ige, man. Yep. Then went on a six-fight win streak after that. And following that, we had a flyweight fight where Dustin Ortiz bested Alexandre Pantoja via unanimous decision. That's a good flyweight scratch. 29-28 on all three judges' scorecards. Abdul Razak Al-Hassan getting a KO punch over Sabah Hamasi, three minutes, 47 seconds in the Rewarded first round. Rewarded performance bonus, you mm-hmm. said. Performance of the night bonus. And our prelim headliner was Kyle Bochniak and Brandon Davis going to unanimous decision, 29-28 times two, and 30-27 for Bochniak. And how about the main card? Yeah, really? so now we're just going to dig in here. So our, our opening fight on this main card, two very relevant Bantamweights for different reasons. You got Rob Font, 
who we just talked about is scheduled to fight Cody Garbrandt. Yep. Um, he's now top five, yep. knocking on the door of a title shot, coming off his biggest win over Marlon Marais. And then in the other corner, you got Thomas Almeida. Hello. Who, at this time, was just starting to kind of hit his wall, I want to call it, mm-hmm. his his dip. You know, he was really touted as a huge, big next thing. And then he ran into Cody Garbrandt, mm-hmm. who I just mentioned. And really, coming into this fight specifically in 2018, was really trying to get his footing back. Um, but at one point was a big prospect, and it's relevant because Thomas yep. Almeida is also fighting on this pay-per-view this you, Saturday. You see why we picked this. He's fighting Sean O'Malley. So we it's picked a big, this pay-per-view because of Thomas another, Almeida. Yeah, so it's another fight on the main card. Um, just to kind of set up where these guys were at this time, Rob Font was at 4-2 and two in the UFC coming into this bout. Yeah. Coming off a loss via guillotine choke to Pedro Munoz. Yeah, he was ranked 14th. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, Almeida was ranked tenth, as you said, kind yeah. of on a skid at now, that. Now Almeida was five and two coming yeah. in his bout, so guys very much in equally equal positions. However, to put, add more context, um, Thomas Almeida did start his UFC career. I want to say it was four and uh, zero. So going and then was twenty one and zero. Damn. Runs man. into Cody Garbrandt, who knocks him out in the first round. Four and one comes back. TKO's Albert Morales, then lost the unanimous decision to Jimmy Rivera, and that leads us then to this fight. Okay. So both guys coming off losses, they're prospects at the time still. Yep. Both guys, you know, fought really always under the radar, even to this day. But Thomas Almeida was a guy that was really given some hype. Young you know. at the time, only twenty six mm-hmm. when this. He's fight still happened. a young guy. Just, yeah. Still very young. So let's talk about this fight. Um, what ended up happening is Fott would get the win here with the TKO head kick and punches uh, in the second round, two minutes, 24 seconds in. This was Nasty. a really good fight, I thought. Yeah, it was. Uh, first round, it really just, and this appears to be the case in a lot of Almeida's fights, a lot of it was on the feet. Yeah. And Almeida is not some great striker, but yet he seems to insist on keeping the fights there a lot of times, and he he does enough to stay competitive, but it's never not, get the upper hand. not enough to win the fight. Yeah. So do you want to talk a little bit more about kind of what you saw in that fight? This was kind of where we first saw the uh, potential of Rob Fawn, I think, really, is the takeaway here. Because we look at him now, ranked third in the division, about to take on a guy in Cody Garbrandt. You look at where he's come over the past three years, this was kind of the start to it. He had just gotten into the rankings then takes out the prospect uh, in Thomas Almeida, who was 10th at the time. This propelled him, of course, upward in the rankings. Uh, ever since then, I believe he's 4-1 and one since that fight occurred. So for me, more so takeaways for Rob Font, because we see now that Almeida has kind of dropped off a bit. Now he's fighting O'Malley, which is a huge fight name value-wise, yeah, sure, sure. but both unranked when it comes to the bantamweight division and how stacked it is. So both guys now are in polar opposites, so it's always interesting when we do these classic reviews. Of course, we've only done three now. Mm-hmm. But for 199 and now this one, it's interesting to see where the people are that were on the card, where they are now. Yeah, that's that's a good point. You know, even, like you said, to this day, Rob Font's still under a lot of people's radars. And if he can get a and, win over a guy like Cody. And that was a big win for him at the time. You know, again, I said Almeida was 5-2. and two. I know yeah. he was coming off a loss... The loss to Garbrandt definitely kind of gutted him a little bit. Yeah. But he bounced back with the win over Morales, and then he oh, loses yeah. to Jimmy Rivera, who, in his own right, was I was looking Still at Jimmy beast. Rivera like he yeah. might be a future champ. Yeah. 
And, you know, so he still... A like, win over like, Almeida at this time was a good win. Though. Yeah. And, and it's it, still it, a good win. And it, I mean, he finished them in the second yeah. round. Looked really crisp. Some of those... Bo- his He's boxing such a good boxer, was so man. clean, man. It was a really good fight, I thought, for as long as it lasted. But it was definitely appeared that it was always in Font's favor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good, a good way, to, way put to put it. Um, so we'll move on to yeah. the second fight. Uh, yeah, this is the stinker of the night, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, we light. love Jean Vellante, though. Yeah, I mean, what a guy. What a character. I guess. Uh, our light heavyweight fight between Jean Vellante and Francimar Barroso. Ending via split decision. How? Don't ask me. 30-27 times 2 for Vellante. And one judge scoring at 29-28 for Barroso. Think about that, ladies and gentlemen, for a second. Process that. <laughs> Two judges scored every single round to Volante, and one judge scored two rounds to Barroso. Yeah. Explain it. Explain. So, we'll talk about that, but I do want to just set up where these guys were at the time. Um, both of them in interesting places. You just mentioned, I think, Volante was ranked 15th, 15th right? Yeah. So he was 15th ranked light heavyweight at the time. How? Um, <laughs> really, at light heavyweight, he did kind of always at least hover. Yeah, I mean, close his record at the, coming into this fight in the UFC was 5 and 6. So, was it really? Yeah, so not, <sighs> not very good record. If you want to go over, like, I mean,. Some of the people he had fought up to this point. He's got a lot of decisions on there, don't he? Yeah, I mean, he's got some... So he lost his debut. He did fight in Strike Force before coming to the UFC, so that's something I didn't know. Um, in Strike Force, looks like he went 3-2, and two, so and went on a three-fight winning streak to end his time there. So he, he kind of came in probably with some you know credit there. Loses his debut to Ovin St. Preux. That's a tough debut. Yeah. Um, had losses. Uh, he lost to Fabio Maldonado. Um, he had a TKO win over Corey Anderson. Really? Yeah, in 2015. Uh, he got knocked out by Tom Lawler. Uh, went Lost a decision to Alir Latifi. And then he lost via t- TKO to Shogun Hua. Mm. Lost a split decision to Patrick Cummins. And that's where we are. I yeah, mean, that his was wins. Cool. Yeah. His wins that I didn't mention, guys like Cody Donovan, Sean O'Connell, I already said Corey Anderson, Anthony Parosh, uh, Saperbeck Safarov, not a ton of guys yeah. that hung around the UFC very long. You know, Corey Anderson being the biggest one. That's yeah. probably how he got yeah. into the ranking. Five and six, though, really mixed run of things. But for Barroso, Francimar, who we both will admittedly say we were not very aware of this guy no. coming in here. No. Um, on his end of things... He was four, three, and one coming in here, so a little bit cleaner in the UFC. In the UFC, yeah. excuse me. Um, some of his, and he did have some at least notable wins and losses. He did have a win via decision over Ryan Jimmo. That was a guy back in, you know, the 2015, probably before that. You know, people were looking at him like he might be a title mm-hmm. prospect, and um, so he got a win there. He did lose via rear naked choke to Nikita Krylov. Had a no contest with Darren Stewart. Stewart originally won the fight via TKO, but it was overturned due to a headbutt. A headbutt, huh? Mm-hmm. They would rematch, and um, he he would beat Stewart via unanimous decision. However, his fight after that would be against Alexander Rakic, and you all can imagine yeah. uh, Rakic won that fight via unanimous decision. So coming in here, you got one guy coming off a loss via Rakic who... I would hope that people would recognize as being yeah, a pretty... Yeah, at that time, that was... Rakic really just just now getting into the UFC. Yeah. And, and you while, see where he is now. 
So both guys coming in on losses because even in Belante's corner, you got a two-fight losing streak with Shogun Hua and Patrick Cummins, who are still, yeah. you know, two good names. And the one with Pat was a split, you said? Yeah, split decision. Split. So this fight ended up being a real dud. Yeah, like it had its moments. The where second you're like, round, oh, okay. I believe. Yeah, the second round. I think it was the second rounds where you saw uh, some nice, uh, like sloppy yeah. kind of bar fight. It looking. was really the third round that... Ooh, really, man. it, it, it just down. the longer this fight went on, it felt like it just yeah. it just dragged. But it was a clear, clear. Volante. I win. thought it was a clear three zero yes. for Volante. Um, so we got to talk about this judge. Was this uh, what's his name, Chris Lee? I don't what's, think what's it his, was. was. That was Chris that his name, Chris Lee. It wasn't. Man, because how you score. So Listen, here, like, so here's what I'll what I'll say. Just give them a quick. They can't, you know, yeah, paint yeah. the picture. Yeah, I'll try to paint the picture. Basically, for three rounds, what you saw, Barroso had landed some good shots, but uh, the pressure and the octagon control. Oh man, of Volante was just overwhelming. He, I mean, he, he controlled the octagon the entire for 15 time. Fifteen minutes. Barroso up against the fence, and I never thought Barroso did enough Mm-mm. to counter what Volante was at least throwing out there. It felt like both guys were. Pretty even in strikes, but when you take into account that octagon control, this fight never went to the ground. I didn't see a round where you could score for Bruce. It's hard enough to give him one round, let alone. I don't know what the third round striking numbers were. Maybe there was a the third round you could maybe give to Bruce because neither guy did anything. Yeah, but. That's a stretch, and you have a judge scoring another one of those rounds for Bruce. I'm sorry, I just don't see it. Uh, really, this fight didn't show me anything for either of these guys. Yeah. You know, Volante's got a nice person. He's got a good personality to him. He's a he's a fun guy. Never been a guy I really enjoyed watching fight for the most part. He can be in some quick fights, some bar fights, some sloppy fun fights. Some, but when he has some of these decisions, man, especially he's, he's like when some, he went up to heavyweight recently. Oh, he's in some snores yeah. though, and yeah. it's it's you know he does like to slow the pace down quite a bit yeah that is kind of his style which is kind of weird considering he does kind of just slug it out but you know being that he's he was a big light heavyweight and now as we talked about he's went up to heavyweight um he definitely plods that's the right word he plods yeah. around the octagon yeah that's a good way to put um, it and Barroso just honestly didn't show and this would end up being Barroso's last fight in the UFC However, where'd he venture on to? Barroso ended up making a nice little run for himself into PFL. Making their return next month. Yeah, and uh, he last fought there in October 2019. Um, he was in the heavyweight, I guess you call it grant, the heavyweight tournament. Uh, he won his heavyweight quarter quarterfinal bout. He advanced in the tournament, but was deemed medically unable to continue. Hmm. Not sure exactly why, but he was undefeated in the PFL. Literally went one, two, three, four, five, six. Six and oh. Six oh and one. He did oh. have a draw. However, still six oh and one. Yeah, man. Like, Good considering for him. he had a very mixed run of things in the UFC and this fight didn't show us anything. Yeah. Nice to see him bounce back. Um for Volante, he's still kind of fighting to this day. And he's still And now at heavyweight, like we mentioned. And, you know, it's not gotten any better for him. Coming off this fight, he would lose to Sam Alvey via split decision, would beat Ed Herman via split decision, would lose via TKO to Michael... Yeah, I'm not going to... Not going to... Ale- Alexi Chuk. Beautiful. I, no, that's not right. I've heard this guy's last name be pronounced before, and I can't remember how. Then he would move up to heavyweight. 
lose via arm triangle to Murray Green, and then lose via unanimous decision to Jake Collier. Yeah. So kind of a tough run of things for him ever since. But, you know, he's still a fun guy. Fun guy. Has Chris Weidman in his corner. Trains with Stipe. Mm-hmm. You know, so fun guy. Mm-hmm. So now we're going to get into a fight we want to talk about. Holy shit. Fight of the night for Man, sure. Man, when this... I say I didn't realize that this fight happened on this card, these two guys showed up on the screen, and I just I was ready to throw, relax and have the popcorn. This this was awarded fight of the night, and oh, I yeah. think it's needless to we say watching we, it we awarded it our fight of the night. Oh, yeah. Uh, featherweight Calvin Cater and Shane Burgos went to war. How about those two guys? Man, three they years went to ago war. there, both yeah. those guys so new into the UFC. Burgos was undefeated at this time. Neither mm-hmm. guy had a ranking yet. You look at both those guys now. Cater just coming off of a main event with uh, Max Holloway. Then before that, main event with Ige. Burgos off of a fighter of the year contender with Josh Emmett. Mm-hmm. It's again so cool to see where they are now. And both guys have went on a tear. Really, since that fight three years ago. Fun fact, this was Calvin Cater's second fight in the UFC. His debut was a win over Andre Feely via unanimous decision. Had to have been early on for Burgos too, huh? And for Burgos, he was 3-0 and coming in here. Okay. And he also had some pretty notable wins over guys like Charles Rosa, Gato Fredo Pepe, another guy that I remember. I think that guy won Ultimate Fighter Brazil, if I'm not mistaken, or made it to the finals. Regardless, three wins coming in here. You know what? And I, of course, I don't know what the rankings were at this time, but I would have to imagine the winner of this, which we will talk about, was Cater. Bet he got his first ranking mm-hmm. following this. And Burgos was a pretty decent favorite coming yeah. into this. Well, one. undefeated at the time, rightfully so. Yeah. So as you mentioned, Cater does end up winning this fight. Holy shit! Via TKO in the third round, thirty-two seconds in. Dude. We were having so much fun watching this fight. Literally, first round. Pretty much all Cater. Cater really busted up Burgos' oh, face yeah. with the jab. Um, that just, New England cartel, yeah. man. But then that second round, Burgos, Burgos came back a in dog. a big way. Uh, Cater maybe kind of coasting through the round a little bit. Clear 1-1 one, one going into yep. the third. Third round, and we're like, man, I can't wait to see what happens in this third round. Bop! Right away. Bop! Right away. Cater landing some. Uppercut, Hadoukens. And... <laughs> And using the force to just oh, man. send Burgos into the shadow realm. This was the featherweight version of Ngannou's fucking uppercut, man. And you know what's funny is once we watched it, I went, oh my god, I've seen this on his highlight tapes. But when we first started watching the fight, I went, I don't remember this fight happening. Yeah, he landed the first uppercut, dropped Burgos, Burgos gets back up. Then he wounds up and get, lands a second one. Ooh, Burgos' leg gives out oh, on him, he goes man. down in a heap. Dan Murgliata, in that moment, about shit his pants, trying yeah, to run did. over and stop this yeah, fight. Yeah, he did. Crazy. No, but this was what a war. awesome fight. And really, when we were when we saw, oh my gosh, this this fight's the third fight of the card, we were uh, immediately were like, okay, this is going to be an absolute banger. Yeah. And then we're like, wait, there's no way this fight goes three rounds, right? <laughs> Surely it, it ends early on in the third. So. Yeah. Needless to say, both these guys have made good impressions coming off this fight and in the UFC since. I mean, Calvin Cater just opened up our 2021 yep. with the main event with Max Holloway. Obviously didn't go his way. Max showed Holloway the heart, though, showed his levels. Yeah. But Cater was literally knocking on the door for a title shot. Um, he's now 22-5. and five. Um, As far as his UFC record, he is, I believe it's 6-3 and three Quick now. Math. I believe 6-3 and three now. So a guy who has... Really only lost, he, he lost a, after this fight, he would lose to actually Hinato Moicano via unanimous decision. Kind of an interesting one. 
uh, would bounce back with TKOs over Chris Fishgold and Ricardo Lamas, and then he would lose via unanimous decision to Zabit. Mm, yeah, I forgot about the Zabit. He that turned a, it on. He turned it on in the third round. Yeah. A lot of people still want that fight to be ran back yeah. five rounds. Uh, he would, after that, have that KO of Jeremy Stevens Nasty. when he came back, and then got that unanimous decision win over Dan Ige. And then Looked so Max. good in that fight against Ige. Um, well, for Burgos, he's done much of the same. I mean, really, yeah. he loses this fight. Bounces back with three more wins over Kurt Holliball via armbar, Cub Swanson via split decision, and then TKO'd Makwan Amir Khani. But however, his last fight being June of 2020, he would lose a fight of the year contender fight. with Josh Emmett. Imagine if that would have been five rounds. That fight went, was he lost it via unanimous decision. So both guys, man, they're still in that top. Well, Cater's now in top five. Yeah, I'm looking. Burgos is 12 currently yeah. with a 13 and two record. Cater at number so six. So Cater's advanced a little bit faster, but Burgos is still right there, man. That yeah. guy's no joke. And this fight showed that that fight was, you know, I know Burgos got finished, but fight what was very fight, even man. going into that third I, round. Hey, don't be surprised when we see this rematch down the road either. Yeah, I would not. That's be a good, surprised. good point. Good point. So we're going to go into the title fights now. We start with the light heavyweight title on the line. Daniel Cormier is the champion defending against Vulcan Uzdemir, mm-hmm. a guy who maybe some of you go, who, who, like... Especially now, if you're seeing For Vulcan. now, you're kind of like, ah, maybe I've heard of... I feel like I've heard of him, but hey, he man. fought for a belt. When Vulcan first came into the scene of the yeah. UFC, he was tearing everybody up. Yeah, so I'm going to start by talking about Daniel Cormier. And I, I, I'm not going to give you guys what his record was in the UFC. I mean, I, you guys know, you who, know Daniel. who Daniel is. You know who Daniel Cormier is. I think it would be more interesting to talk about where he was at this time at this in his fight, career. Yeah. Um, obviously, one of the greatest MMA rivalries of all time he has with John Jones. That was his last fight, was the rematch with John Jones where Jones would TKO. Was it credited as a TKO? It was. Over DC in the third round with a head kick and some ground and pound In a fight that DC looked damn good He looked really good with arguably winning the fight. Um, Jones finished him. However, the next day, turns out John Jones test positive for PEDs. Yeah. Some things just, some stories just always seem to come back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But because of that, the fight is overturned to a no contest, so DC is instilled as champion yeah. again. So it's a very weird time in his career because you know he doesn't really feel like the champion. Right. Um, and he has said that this win over Vulcan Uzdemir, which he got via TKO two minutes into the second round, he said that this win is what made him feel like the champion again. Like He felt like, it didn't he, feel like a title defense. He felt like he was fighting for a vacant belt. Yep. And you know, I'm glad that he got that, right? Yeah. He did get a performance of the night bonus for this, and he deserved every bit of it. Yeah, he weathered um, an early storm. Huh? Yeah, so for Vulcan, being the guy that is lesser known, the challenger coming in here, you're right when you say this guy really kind of came in. and On a tear. He came in, went 3-0 and in the UFC before getting this title fight. That's Crazy. not a lot of fights. Yeah, so his fourth fight in the UFC was for a title. His debut was a split decision win over Ovin St. Prue. That fight is a snore to watch. I've watched it. But after that, mm. KO in 28 seconds over Misha Serkinov. And then he KO'd Jimmy Manawa in 42 seconds. Yeah. Performance of the night bonus for that one. Therefore earning his nickname at no time. Yeah, no time. And then that got him a title shot. Pretty wild. It kind of also paints the picture for the state of the division. Yeah. you know He was number time. two in the division. Right. I the, mean, you know, those wins over... 
guys like OSP, even though it was a you know boring split decision, was a big win. And then Krylov and uh, Manawa. Manawa, before he retired, because this was just before he retired, really, he was right up there in the top four or right. five. You know? So those were big wins. They may not seem like it now, but at this time in that division, those are all three huge wins. Yeah, and as we mentioned, Daniel Cormier would win this fight as a title defense. And it would be his final light heavyweight bout. And obviously, therefore, his final defense of the light heavyweight belt. Yep. So, kind of give your thoughts on the fight and kind of what we saw take place. Bolkin came out as any everyone anticipated, throwing haymakers, going for the finish. Did land some on DC, but DC was wet, able to weather the early storm, and that's all he needed to do. Uh, nearly finished the fight at the very end of the first round. Had a rear naked choke sunk in, but the buzzer sounded. Otherwise, he would have finished it there. And then round two was all Daniel. Lands the takedown early. Gets into a mounted crucifix. Lands the ground and pound. And the ref calls it a day. Yeah, I mean, that's a good way to put it. Pretty simple for DC in that second round. Round one, Volgan had his moments, but he just gassed way too quickly. And, uh, you know, had he not gotten finished in round two, he would have just continued to be dominated throughout the remainder of the fight. Just the way that he was fighting is not set up for pretty sloppy pretty sloppy performance from Vulcan here I mean I know that he had that nickname for a reason he was coming in looking to finish like he had been doing everybody else but when you fight a guy of DC's caliber man there's levels levels. exactly yeah and coming off this fight obviously uh for Cormier he would have uh a nice little really probably the most historic trilogy in UFC history arguably anyways as far as uh implications and Mm -hmm. you know just uh to the credit of a competition, I would say it is. Yeah. Not a lot of shit talking, but I don't think that's necessarily what makes it good. The rivalry. fights sure the hell made it great. So following this win, he would move up to heavyweight along with our main event winner, Stipe. Yeah. And they would coach the ultimate fighter. Yeah. They set up this huge super fight. You know, Cormier was still light heavyweight champion. And they would go on and have a trilogy of fights at heavyweight. You know, yeah. uh, Obviously, Cormier would win the first one, knocked out Steve in the first round. Would follow that up with the title defense at heavyweight over Derek Lewis. Yeah, the one they just kind of threw in there on us. uh, Kind of saving the card there. He submitted Derek Lewis, and then he would go on to lose the next two bouts with Steve A. One via TKO, one via decision. And now he's retired and commentating for the UFC. Podcast, Yeah, I mean, the guy does... He's one of the best of all time, one of the best humans of all time. Yeah, and he's really coming to us all as a commentator. I know people think, like, when he's with Rogan, those two can kind of go off on tangents. (laughs) Yeah. But even when he's with Rogan, but more so when he's doing, like, the fight nights is when you really get to witness that uh, knowledge and how good of a commentator he really is. Yeah, while for Vulcan Uzdemir, his run has not been near as uh, memorable. Coming off this loss, he would lose two more bouts after this. Got submitted via rear naked choke by Anthony Smith. Forgot about that. Would lose a split decision to Dominic Reyes. So that's three in a row. Now that's one that, that a lot one, of people think he won. I thought Vulcan yeah. won the fight, and that says a lot considering even though Reyes has kind of been a weird, had a weird run of his own. But we thought Reyes to, beat John Jones. Yeah, so it says a lot. After those three losses, he would bounce back with two wins. He would knock out Alir Latifi. And then got a split decision win over Alexander Rakich. Probably one yeah. that not a lot of people realize happened. Yeah. And finally, his, his Your last boy. Bout, he did get KO'd by Jiri Prohaska. 
what a what a debut right for Prohaska, man. That that guy is. And to believe that was on the prelims. Yeah, right? and I mean, don't get me wrong. Vulcan looked good in the first round. Those guys were slugging. Yeah. Um, I think I definitely think I can say that following this fight, Vulcan did tend to. He did. I think he kind of got out of his own hype, his own nickname, and did start to compose himself a little bit. You know, his, his punches in this fight was a very oh, yeah. really sloppy, and I think he just realized he had to be a little bit more of a mixed Realized martial artist to come into his all, yeah. in order to really reach his full potential. But it took him a while, and he's still trying to figure it out, mm-hmm. I think. But he's still in that top ten at light heavyweight. Yeah, You know, he might not be the biggest name that stands out to you, but there's no doubt in my mind this guy can go on a run at any time. Oh, yeah, man. He's still got that power, so it'll be interesting to see what kind of happens because his career's still going. Yeah. He's only uh, 31. 31. He's young. Now for our main event of the evening. Oh, my. The first time, what's that poster say? Baddest men on the planet. Battle for the World <laughs> Heavyweight Championship. And that's really what this fight was billed as. Who is the baddest man on the planet? Well, coming in here was Stipe. Stipe being the heavyweight champion, this was going for title defense number three. Yep, the record. Which would have been the record, and obviously I, I won't spoil it, or <laughs> I won't. Keep pretending like this fight hasn't happened anymore. Stipe would win this fight via unanimous decision. 50-44 on all three judges' scorecards. Yeah, he won via domination. Yeah, I mean, it really was. Um, however, Outside come, of the first round. Yeah. Holy shit. Coming Holy, in. Whatever. So coming in, you got Stipe. This is going for title defense number three. He won the belt by knocking out Fabricio Verdum at UFC 198. Yeah, it was on a five-fight win streak coming into this. Mm-hmm. All via finish. Yep, knocked out Alistair Overeem in Cleveland. We got, to, we got that. to see that. Unbelievable. And then he would TKO Junior Dos Santos, avenging one of his previous two UFC losses up to that point. Yeah, in Dallas, Texas. And then that leads us to this bout. While for Ngannou, this man was coming in like a... Freight train. I was going to say a freight train, but more like a... What would you call it? A Ford F-150? Ford Escort is what Ford he gets Escort. like. Is what say. Yeah, his <laughs> yeah, punching powers like a Ford Escort. Um, yeah, the hype was real with this guy. He was rightfully so. Yeah, you know, and it, it, to this day, I still see the, why the hype is there. Built I mean, he like was, a statue. He was six and zero coming in here. Mm. Wins over he had K, all via finish. Those latter three going in were the biggest. KO Luis Enrique, TKO Doctor Stoppage Curtis Blades, yep. TKO Bojan Mihalovic. Kamora submission. Yeah, that one's wild. Over Anthony Hamilton, then TKO'd my boy. Andre Arlovsky, and then oh. one of the nastiest knockouts you'll ever, ever see in MMA. A brutal KO over Alistair Overeem. He lifted Overeem's body up off of the canvas only, with, a, and with a punch. The only fight that went past the first round was Curtis Blades. Yeah. I mean, that says a lot. So he, the hype was real. He was only eleven and one coming in here. Still very, very green, and I and I think that's where this fight mm-hmm. exposed a lot of that. The first round, though, holy sh- moly! I, I was telling Noah before we, while we were watching, Ariel Hawani actually had made uh, called this first round of this fight the round of the year for two thousand and eighteen. Mm-hmm. And dare I say, I might have to agree with old Hawani because what a round it was. You yeah. talk about being on the edge of your seat, even watching it a second, third, fourth time, whatever it was for us, <laughs> we're still like, <gasps> you know, and Francis is throwing these huge bombs, and Stipe did eat some shots, uh, to his credit, and in even fired back his own shots, implemented the wrestling and clinch early, and as soon as that first round ended, you're like, oh boy, 
you could see the gas tank was already on like a quarter of a tank, if not less, for Francis Ngannou when, you know, Stipe's gas tank was still well on full, and that's really was how the rest of the fight played out. Yeah, I mean, honestly, when you get to the later rounds of this fight, it kind of gets a little embarrassing. A 10-8 round through in there, I mean, Ngannou yeah. got to the point where he was labored to even get up off the ground. Rounds three, four, and five are very much copy and paste. Yeah. It's very much Nganu completely void of any energy, plodding forward. And you really saw the in- inexperience on the ground. Yep. Didn't even Joe Rogan do, said how to Rogan get up, what positioning to use. Yeah. It was very noticeable. It only got worse. It was very eye opening, but that first round, incredible. Yeah. Eric, you said Ari Hawani scored it round of the year for 2018. Stipe really doing his best to dodge those hammers that Ngani was swinging at him. And to Ngani's credit, Stipe landed some nasty yeah, Stipe shots. Stipe landed some nasty yeah. shots. Ngani actually Just landed. Ngani landed more shots than I remembered. Yeah. Because I really thought he pretty much missed on everything. That first round, he was hit. But he was landing, and it really says a lot about. It really makes me just wonder. what Where is Stipe's chin at? Because then you look at the Cormier fight, yeah. and he got bopped with the. The, the tiniest of... You know, and I've heard some people, maybe even Joe Rogan included, to this day say, because he fought Cormier in, what, July of this year? This fight happened in uh, January, so five months later. Some people said he, his chin had not recovered fully from getting hit by Ngannou, and that's what helped Cormier's punch knock him out as easy. I don't know where you all stand on that, yeah. but I just figured I'd throw it out there. Because some people the, have discussed that. Was it the third round where Ngannou just threw a Ngannou prayer? Ngannou threw a prayer and landed. And Stipe wobbled. The, really, that might have been the cleanest <laughs> shot of Yeah, it just came out of nowhere because Ngannou, by this point, out of energy Gone, completely. Yeah. Stipe wobbled, um, then shoots for the takedown. And, yeah, and that's really all she wrote. I, I mean, if we're being honest, we didn't watch rounds four and five because... We, we had noon. We knew. We, there was nothing left to see. In another fight where you saw levels, right? Yeah. You know? Stipe really showing why he's the baddest man on the planet. He might not look like the baddest man on the planet when he's standing next to Nganu, but, but there's levels. Yeah. And... With that, he had the record. He still has it to this day. The record for the most consecutive title defenses of that UFC heavyweight belt. And now the guy's coming back to try and beat his own damn record. Yeah, you know? where's he at right now? He's well, at, uh, he's at this one. This would be his second. Yeah, this will be again. his second. Yeah. And, um, Fifth total, though. The guy's got six title fight victories, four total defenses. He's really just stacking up records. And it's so weird how, you know, this, this second fight, because I guess now we can kind of just transition to talking about, you know, bigger picture here i mean before getting too much into the preview we yeah gotta, we gotta balance it i mean we're we're three years later now yeah a little over three there's so years. many questions and really both these guys are kind of in similar spots than they were at this point in time you know Stipe, even coming into the first fight i think now it's a little bit less debatable that he was he's the best heavyweight of all time now it's like okay but he is 38 yeah. So there's still those questions of can he withstand Ngannou's power? Can he really? Can he make it through the first round? Can he make it through the second round? You know that mm-hmm. that kind of question still are in people's mind. There are many Ngannou, of the same questions. Ngannou, if you look at the run he's been on since, as impressive we as we have is, not gotten to see much. We haven't seen anything that we didn't already know before the first. Now, round. now I'm going to say this again on Friday, but I'm going to say it now as mm-hmm. well. Since UFC 226, which mm-hmm. is when Stipe lost to Daniel and Ngannou lost to Derek Lewis in a fight that we don't like to talk about. <laughs> Since then, 
Stipe has went on to fight for 45 minutes against Daniel Cormier. And Ganu has had four fights since UFC 226 for a combined two minutes and 42 seconds. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yeah, I guess uh, to add some context to what those numbers. Uh, after this fight, Stipe's only fought Daniel Cormier since this fight. To make it even more so, <laughs> this was January of 2018. We are now in March, almost April of 2021. Stipe, this will be his fifth fight since then, all against the same people. Stipe has not fought anyone not named Daniel Cormier or Francis Ngannou since, when did he fight JDS? June of 17? May of 2017. May of 17. So. so, obviously, like I mentioned, he loses the first bout to Cormier and then goes on to get his belt back in the second fight and in August. Looked uh, great in the third. In the trilogy. Holy shit. Um, while for Ngannou, I do, I'll go through kind of his run since then. He did follow this fight with another loss. It doesn't count. Yeah, to Derek Lewis. Nobody won this fight. Both guys lost. Um, but do you, you know, I want to say, we might touch on this again Friday, so we're not going to try and do too much, but... Do you remember the hype for Lewis versus Blake? Oh, Blade, dude, or, uh, Lewis and Ganyu. You were like, my uncle came over. Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, I did. And I told him, dude, this fight's going to be crazy, man. These Somebody's getting yeah, knocked they out. Yeah, they, they were talking shit to you for that. My uncle said, this is the worst fucking fight I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I'm like, man, I'm sorry. Man. <laughs> yeah. No, that it, it just showed that Ganyu's confidence was shot after this And fight. Lewis was just so... He was broken, like, man. He was. Br- his he didn't back, want to get hit. Well, his, oh, yeah, his back, back was, was up. ruined, and he didn't want to get hit by the one shot power of Ngannou. Francis was still so mentally damaged going yeah. into that fight. I think was the biggest thing for him. But. And basically, you got three rounds of nothing. Yeah, and then I think you said Ngannou threw a combined he, eleven. He landed eleven total strikes in fifteen minutes, and none of them were like the strikes he was throwing in this no, fight. You know, no. he looked a lot leaner going into that one. I, that was the good thing. Yeah, ever since he's looked a lot leaner. Um, but after that, he would get his mojo back. He would rematch Curtis Blades in really Beijing, China, yeah. and TKO'd him forty-five seconds into the first round. Followed that up with the main event on ESPN Pork. over Kane Velasquez. There's a lot of hype K- on that KO'd one. KO'd Kane in 26 seconds. A lot of people thought Kane in his return was going to get that win. No. No. Fucked his knees up. Then dude. he TKO'd Junior DeSantos a minute 11 seconds. In the These were all round. main events, I think, outside of the... The Blades then, one was a main event, too. Yeah, and then he would finish it off at UFC 249 with Jinkies. a KO over Jarzinho Rosenstrike. We're going to have some fun with that 20 one 20 seconds into the first round. I mean, come on, man. That's that's ridiculous. But is it enough to... He has had no octagon time. and It's it, all going to come down to what it's happened not in even, the training It's not room. even the octagon time. It's just we haven't seen... What, what are, no, not being we tested. We already know. We know he's got the power. Yeah. But you look at the way he's knocking out some of these guys, especially like that Rosenstrike one. When you slow down that clip, yeah. it does not do him any favors. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Winging the punches and then... You know, does he still has he improved on that yeah. takedown defense and really just his being on his back or because I think it's clear to say, although we can't necessarily say that Nganu has improved since the first fight with Stipe, Stipe has improved since this fight. I think it's fair to say that, right? Mm-hmm. Now, obviously he lost to Daniel. Um, but we saw in the second fight with Daniel after being down on the cards, the mid-fight adjustment, one of the best things you'll ever witness in a UFC fight. Right. Then in their trilogy bout, his body totally transformed, super lean, very cut and muscular. Looked one of the best fights he's really had all around in his career. 
dominated from start to finish uh, in that third fight with Daniel. So I think it's clear to say Stipe has improved from the first fight. Can we say the same for Ngannou? I think we're going to have to wait and see until Saturday night. Yeah. But that's that's going to wrap it up for this classic that, paper That's all we can do without yeah. getting into our preview. <laughs> that's UFC 220 in the books. We hope um, you enjoyed. Yeah, this. you know, I really enjoyed going back and watching this because I just remember the hype for this the first time it was being run through. Um, and really the second time it's just as big. Yep. If really not is. bigger. <laughs> yeah, and I want to I pose a question to the listeners. Mm-hmm. For those of you that don't know, we can do voice messages. Noah's going to talk about that more. Leave us a voice message. Let us know what classic pay-per-view you would like us to take a look at for our next installment of the just, uh, series. Yeah, tell us why. Even Any if, number. Honestly, you could pick. You could throw them into a hat. You could pick literally one. pick a random number and we'll yeah. do it. Yeah. So You got from one? Well, to, you can't do one. Oh, yeah. You can't you got do from one, t- 99, or 220. Yeah, you got from two to, well, I would say to 251. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... Um, literally just, if, if, if any of you guys have a pay-per-view that you would like to see reviewed let on Let us show, know. Let us know. And let us know why. Yeah. Just to, yeah, just to spice it up a little yeah. bit. But until then, Dominic, tell the good people where they can find you on social media. On Twitter, on Instagram, at dcle 14 I'm going to give myself a big plug here because, ladies and gentlemen, the biggest article... My career, <laughs> the biggest baddest article, the biggest baddest article in the history of MMA journalism will be out this week. Be on the lookout on our socials. I got to preview Stipe Miocic, Francis Ngannou, part two, the biggest article I've ever done so far in my young journalism <laughs> career, and uh, I'm so excited for you guys to get a read on this. Really did a lot of research, a lot of studying. Can't wait to share that with you guys. And of course, when we preview it on Friday, it's going to get even deeper when you hear our beautiful voices again. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at D- at BAJ <laughs> underscore MMA podcast. Noah, get him on out of here. As for me, if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram at NTBaker underscore, you'll be taken to our link tree, which gives you the links to all the platforms that the podcast is on, along with the social media platforms. That includes the Twitter, the Instagram, the YouTube channel, and Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. It's all on there, baby. And there's a couple links for the Anchor page. First, leaving a voice message. Dom just talked about it. If you have a thought about an upcoming fight or a news story, if you want to say hi or call a piece of shit, or if you want to leave suggestions <laughs> for future video ideas, do it there. you got 60 seconds to tell us why and give your thoughts. Yeah. And there's a link if you want to become a supporter of the podcast. That just provides us with a few dollars a month, and all that money goes back into improving the quality of the podcast, whether it be audio equipment or down the line doing a video podcast so again you can find all that if you go to my bio on twitter or instagram at ntbaker underscore with that we're out we'll see y'all on 